Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Podcasting is the New Kink with me, your host, Jasmine Gary, aka Pink Lady. I'm so excited to continue this conversation. We are talking about Kindred, the book and the series, and today we are talking about diversions from the book. We know that when there's an adaptation of something, it's usually pretty different than the source, and that's exactly what we're talking about today, the diversions from the book to create the adaptation that we see in the series. So yeah, let's get into it. Now, this list of diversions was not very easy to put together. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, It's hard to discuss because, again, if you listen to the first episode of this series, then you already know that the series stops or ends like halfway in the story in the book. So it stops at like a really pivotal plot point and... Yeah, cliffhanger. Now we're just waiting to see if it gets picked up for season two. But within that, there is a lot of intertwining of storylines. For example, Dana sees Celeste die in childbirth. In in the story, in the book, that is something that happens way later, um, but it happens in our series. So there's a lot of that, a lot of like intertwining of storylines. Uh, but overall, the series stops after the third chapter in the book, which is The Fall. But I'm going to do my best to explain this to you. And here we go. So the first thing I want to talk about is the difference or the changes in choices of the characters. And one of the biggest differences that I noticed was Sarah's appearance. Now, on page 72 of the novel, I'm going to read a short excerpt where it talks about her appearance. In the second paragraph on page 72, it says, There was a stocky, middle-aged woman stirring a kettle that hung over the fire in the fireplace. I'm going to skip down to the next paragraph because the rest of this paragraph doesn't talk about her appearance. It goes on to say, She was as light-skinned as my mute guide, a handsome middle-aged woman, tall and heavy-set. Now, the reason I want to bring that up is because Sarah in the series is definitely light-skinned, super light-skinned, but she is not stocky. She is not heavy-set at all. And... I think this is important to mention because I don't think I saw any heavy set people in the series at all. And what y'all trying to say, there were no heavy set enslaved people. I, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that was definitely something that was missing from the series. Other than that, I think they got the character really right with her appearance. Definitely her voice and her demeanor. I think those were on point. That was the Sarah that I imagined for sure. Okay, the next character appearance that I'm going to talk about is Kevin. This comes in on page 54 of the book and it is the third paragraph down. 
I will read an excerpt now. I woke up a little then and really looked at him. He was an unusual-looking white man, his face young, almost unlined, but his hair was completely gray and his eyes so pale as to be almost colorless. He was muscular, well-built, but no taller than my own 5'8", so that I found myself looking directly into the strange eyes. Now, come on. The Kevin that we see on the series is a completely different Kevin. (laughs) He has brown, I think, eyes. They're not pale, whatever color they are. I'm not really sure, but they're definitely not pale. And his hair is definitely brown, dark brown, full head of hair. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't say he's muscular. I would say he was more like average build. And Kevin is tall. He kind of towers over our Dana. I don't think our Dana's 5'8 either. She may be, but just saying, um, our Kevin definitely towers over Dana in the series. So very different. Also, his character, right? Kevin in the book was a lot more brave, in a sense. He definitely took charge more. He was more talkative. He played his role, played the role that he had to play in, you know, as a white man in the South at that time, right? He definitely acted the part much better than our Kevin does in the series. And I do think the choice in changing that character had a lot to do with like really just raising the stakes for Dana. So I do appreciate that. I'm just noting these changes here. All right. So the last character I will talk about is our main guy, Rufus, right? A choice that the producers made was to keep Rufus the same age throughout the series. Now, we know in the book that there are years that pass in between Dana going back and forth from the past to the present. We see that like every time she goes back, he's a little bit older. He looks a little different. You can see that he's maturing. But in the series... Again, he stays the same age the whole time. Maybe he's a year older or like a few months. I do remember like a few months passing between her visits. But again, it's not years. It's not the progression that we read in the novel. And I honestly just think that was a money choice. (laughs) You know, it, it was more so like, We're just going to take these things that Rufus did and just throw them onto Tom, make Tom do them so that we can only pay these two actors. We'll have Tom, the older one, the father figure, the actual dad of Rufus, right? (laughs) And then Rufus as a child um, who can still learn, right? Who can still, I guess, change. All right, the next diversion I'm going to talk about is the family swap. In the book, Dana's uncle is her mom's older brother, and that is who raised Dana, her uncle and her aunt. In the series, 
her aunt is Dana's father's sister. So they literally just swapped the relationships there. And I think this was a choice made because of another diverger I'm going to talk about a little later is Dana's mom. Dana's mom was back in the past when she went. Dana's mom is Olivia. So in order to add more mystery to Dana's mom's side of the family, they, I believe, chose to go with Dana's dad's side. Also, there is no grandma and no money in the book. (laughs) This whole storyline of grandma died and left me her house and I sold the house. So I have all this money now that doesn't exist at all. That was purely created for the series. I believe that was added to change Dana's character to give her this sense of I can do it all on my own because I've been doing it all on my own, that type of thing. And the grandma and the money storyline is also what get her to where she is when these things start happening, right? Grandma died, left her the house. She sold the house. She bought a new house across the country. And that is where all of this begins. So I guess it was added to just change the setting, to put her in the setting that the producers wanted her to be in, right? So I believe that this family swap diversion was absolutely needed for the series in order to go that way, the way that they chose to go, where Dana is, you know, she's pretty much feeling all alone. She's has this arrogance of like, I got it. I don't need your help. Don't worry about me. You wasn't worried about me when I wanted you to worry about me. So don't worry about me now. I'm cool, right? <laughs> she doesn't really respond to questions or, you know, inquiries about her life. She's just like, I got this. Don't worry about me. On to the next. And I think that's what helped really drive the story. Hey, y'all. Pink Lady here. I'm a podcast producer, director, coach, and host. And I want to tell you all about my production company, Pink Lady Productions. We collaborate with creatives like you who are driven to share your message by launching your podcast from A to Z and coaching you through the process. To learn more about our services, check out our website at pinkladyprod.com. That's P-I-N-K. L-A-D-Y-P-R-O-D dot com. Okay, so the next diversion we're going to talk about is a really, really big one. I think Dana and Kevin are not married. In the series, they are not even in a relationship. They ain't together at all. They literally just met, what, two nights before, you know? So it's a very big difference. I think it completely adds to that tension of Dana, you know, feeling alone and feeling like she has to do everything on her own. And it adds to the stakes of Kevin actually staying with her through everything that's going on. 
he don't even know her, you know, like <laughs> he's not obligated to stay, but he does anyway. So that shows Kevin's character, especially when she grabbed onto his arm and took him back to the past with her. <laughs> When he was like, nah, I ain't going back. I'll stay here. I will be your home base. But I ain't going back with you. And then, you know, we, we see what happens. He got stuck and had to go back anyway. It just builds tension, like one brick of tension on top of the next and on top of the next, just building, building, building. And if you've listened to my review on Lovecraft Country, then you know that is something I love. Turn that tension dial all the way up and just... Forget where it's at because I love when you make it super difficult for my character to get out of whatever shit they're in. I just think that makes for better storytelling because that is life, right? <laughs> when it rains, it pours. It's never just one thing that goes wrong, right? It's all of these things, different things at the same time. So I really value that in storytelling. All right, so the next thing I'm going to talk about is the first interaction of Dana and Rufus, right? So the first time in the book they met is at the river when Rufus is drowning and Dana saves his life. But in the series, she meets him before that. She actually meets Rufus as an infant where she appears in his room and he is face down, suffocating, about to die. And, you know, she turns him over and saves his life. This diversion really added to Sarah's storyline of killing all of Margaret's children. Um, if you've already seen the series, then you probably know that all of Margaret's children died up until Olivia came. So I think that all is adding to the, you know, connection of Olivia and Dana and Olivia's mom disappearing and, you know, disappearing from the present to appear in the past. And I think it adds to Dana's, like, empathy or sympathy for Rufus because he's a damn infant, right? He literally cannot help himself. He definitely can't harm anyone else because he can't even help himself. He can't even turn himself over and stop, you know, suffocating. So it definitely adds to that care that Dana has for Rufus because she met him as an infant who was about to die and she saved his life. All right. So last but definitely not least, this is actually my favorite storyline that was added to the series. Um, it was not in the book at all. It was completely new and I love it. Olivia, <laughs> Dana's mom, Olivia was in the past already when Dana visited. And I think this is a storyline that is supposed to do a little bit of explaining. Um, that is one thing that we never get in the novel. We don't get any type of explanation about why this is actually happening or how, right, this is actually happening. We 
learn that Dana thinks that, you know, she is there to save Rufus. She thinks that she is there to make sure that her family line exists, right? And we get that in the series too. That is absolutely what Dana thinks, that she is somehow supposed to save Rufus. And she ends up like looking in the family Bible for all the names of her lineage and all of those things. But it's not enough, right? It's like, okay, that's what you're supposed to be doing. But damn, why is all of this happening? I I love explanations. I love for a movie to be like, okay, this is it. (laughs) You know, this is exactly what happens laid out on a platter for you. So I was very excited when I saw Olivia there and I learned that, oh, Olivia's Dana's mom, who we thought was dead, but we see she's actually alive and just stuck in the past. (laughs) And then we learn later on that Olivia's mom just disappeared too. So it's like, okay, clearly it's something in their bloodline, right? Past that, we have no idea, but I'm hoping that we will find out more when, when, that's right, I'm speaking it into existence. I am manifesting it when it gets picked up for season two. So thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you got some insight. I hope I started some conversation and you're like, Jasmine, I want to talk to you about that. Let me DM you. (laughs) That is really the whole point of this, again, to really start conversation. So go ahead and reach out. Hit me up. Let me know what you think. If you think I am completely wrong on something, please let me know. I'm here for that too. So yes, hit me up. And stay tuned for more on Kindred. Next week, I'm going to be talking about some notable elements of this series, some things I want to point out and make sure that you recognize, and some things that I just kind of want to talk about, right? So I'm excited for that episode, and I hope you are too. I will see you then. Bye. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about anything I talked about on this episode, you can DM me on Instagram at PinkLadyProd. That's P-I-N-K-L-A-D-Y-P-R-O-D. Or you can email me at Jasmine at PinkLadyProd.com. Jasmine is spelled J-A-S-M-I-N-E. If you want more info about Pink Lady Productions or me, you can visit our website at pinkladyprod.com. Subscribe to Podcasting is the new king for updates on new episodes, and please feel free to share it. Also, please rate and review the show. Peace.